Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, I'm super excited to have the guest I have on the podcast today. I've come across him on social media and I'd seen a product they've got called Cattle Baron Cigars. And I, I don't know, I don't believe I've even talked about cigars before on the podcast, but I happen to be a, a cigar aficionado myself from way back in the day. So anyway, I looked into it a little bit further and, and uh, it's, I think it's a super cool brand. And then come to find out it's not only into cigars, but many other things, but we'll let, we'll let him uh, tell us all about that. So Anyway, I was lucky enough to get him to come on the podcast, and right now he's sitting in the uh, up on a ridge somewhere in the middle of, uh, I believe, Montana, but uh, we'll let him tell us, and uh, enjoying one of his uh, fine cigars as we do the podcast. So anyway, uh, without any further ado, hey, Brian, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Thanks, Dan. Very glad to be on. Yeah, and just let me make sure I got the pronunciation of your last name right. It's How do you pronounce it? Moussard? Yeah, Massard. Take the tea out of mustard. There you go. Okay. Well, awesome. So you are, uh, you actually just uh, were telling me before before we uh, got on to start recording that uh, you had to dump some bulls off and then you had to drive up onto a ridge to uh, where you could get some good cell coverage. Uh, where, at, where are you at right now exactly? So I'm in the Big Hole Valley of Montana. That's where we run our cows and we've got a customer that's got cattle up here. And so he bought 12 bulls from us at our sale and I just delivered them today and kicked him out with his cows. Nice. Very nice. Well, hey, so, um, you know, give us a little history on you. I mean, you're in the cattle business, cigar business, and, and I, I think even possibly the vodka business, I believe I read a little bit. So give us a little backstory on you, how you got started in the uh, cowboy and in cattle industry and we'll kind of go from there well i've ranched my whole life uh i've been leasing places for 30 years when i turned uh 20 i started leasing my own places and split off on my own uh when i was about 28 and so that's kind of been my life i mean i've my first love uh i think was a cow in a pen and i've just been infatuated with them and and dedicated my whole life to raising cattle. And with that uh, aspiration, I ended up in the registered Angus business and got lucky enough to be involved with some partners that uh, made me aware of 
one one partner was from Iowa, and he said, you know, you guys in Montana, all you think about is how big your cattle are. Somebody's got to eat these when it's <laughs> over, so you better start paying attention to how good they are. Mm-hmm. And that was in the 90s, and we really turned our focus towards that. And so when folks buy, they go to a restaurant or in the in the grocery store, and they see certified Angus beef or prime beef, we raise the bulls that uh, that make that. So it's like the Cuban seed of, of cigars. Everybody's you know, once that Cuban seed, it's, it's that marbling trait, uh, in Angus that we really focus on and the cows, you know, how the cows got to be fantastic. And then the marbling has got to be there. And so that's kind of been our main focus in life is these, is these cattle. That's awesome. So you, so you basically raise mostly bulls or do you have cow calf operation too, or? Yeah. So we run about 600 registered Angus cows okay. and we run those on a couple different lease places in our own ranch and then we'll sell around 175 bulls a year to customers and then we've got a custom feedlot that we'll we'll run about eight to ten thousand head through that over the winter and then we buy and partner with feedlots in colorado kansas and and idaho and we'll feed out cattle for our customers and then we get all the data back for them and they make better decisions uh, when they come by bulls. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, nowadays everybody's you know, talking about grass fed beef and, and so on and so forth. What's your take on, on that? And, and how do you guys raise, raise your, your bulls and your cattle? Uh, well, grass fed is kind of a niche, like, uh, organic is a niche and natural's a niche. It's they're, they're very small. You take three of those together total, mm. uh, it'd be about 3% of the beef market out there we we really focus on quality uh we want somebody when they go to you know customers aren't beholden to go to a the counter protein counter and buy beef I mean, there's so many options today and consumers love options today so it's our job to provide the best uh quality they can get and we want it to be safe of course u.s beef is, is the best but our niche has been always been quality and i had a uh, distributor tell me one time, you know, I asked him about labels and all that and what they really like. And they said, you know, I don't care if you put a pink label on it. I just want to buy the same stuff every year. And we've, we've kind of, you know, fed into that. So it's real important. Uh, grass fed is, is kind of a nice sounding thing, but you talk to most people, they'll go into a local restaurant that's feeding grass fed and they'll order it cause it's a novelty, but they won't order it again. Um, <laughs> Grass fed is just that. I mean, when you go, when you go hunt elk or deer or moose, they have a, you know, people talk about that gamey taste to the meat. Well, same thing happens to grass fed cattle because they're out eating grass and sagebrush and the same stuff. It's, it's, I I don't prefer it. Uh, There's some old timers around here. It's, and we've got some customers that are, you know, in their eighties and they talk about grass fed beef, but they love our beef that gets a little corn. You know, right. It's, right. Yeah, you know, they they talk about that, but when they get when they get one that's been fattened on corn, it's they they enjoy it too. Absolutely. So you so you've been in the cattle business all, all your life, and and what got you into wanting to make your own cigar brand? Um, I have a bad habit of whenever I really really like something, I'm a <laughs> I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and my wife could tell you if she was here how picky I am. I've had celiac disease my whole life. So in 1971, long before they knew what gluten-free was, um, 
I was on it. Looked like an Ethiopian kid. They had no idea what was going on. And mm -hmm. a doctor, our family doctor read an article and told my parents, try this, it might save him. And, and sure enough, that's what it was. And so I was really limited on what I could drink. And so I've pretty well been red wine and potato vodka for, you know, 15, 20 years. Right. I haven't, I've really gotten serious about it. So we ended up getting in the vodka business first before right. the cigars. Right. Um, and when I go check my cows, uh, you know, of course, when you get in the vodka business, you you can't just have one vodka because there's 8,000 <laughs> vodkas. You got to have right. a, you got to have a specific flavor. So we did a pepper infused vodka, which people really like for Bloody Marys. And then my favorite is I made a cranberry tea flavored vodka. Huh. And it's a unique flavor. We're the only ones that make cranberry tea vodka in the entire world. And the reason I did that is like today, I'm, I'm going to, I'll be on the road for 250 miles dropping off 12 bulls. So, right. uh, <laughs> I usually get, I go to the fuel station, I go inside and get a couple things of unsweetened iced tea and one thing of cranberry juice and I mix them up in a big go mug and I light a cigar and down the road I go. <laughs> Keeps me awake. Yeah. And so I made a cranberry tea flavored vodka to sip on when I had a cigar and, you know, I didn't care what I made the vodka if I sold a single bottle. I, we spent two years on the blend. Again, I was, I'm very, very picky. If I don't like it, I'm not going to sell it. Right. Whether it's a, a cow or cow or bull or cigar or vodka so turned out to be really good uh we make it with real tea oil and cranberry extract and and we're actually sold out of that right now and so that got me in you know my kids i've been smoking cigars for 30 years my whole right. life my whole adult life longer than that probably closer to 35 right and my wife got me this book as a cheap stocking stuffer here about 10 years ago you know and it was the the book of cigars is what it's called right. and it goes clear back to you know pre-1500s and the history of cigars and and how it took off and tobacco and and what a unique trading item was and i just got infatuated with that book and found some handmade cigars and then started smoking handmade cigars and then when we got in the vodka business I put my daughter on the road and I said, here, take this case of cranberry tea flavored vodka. She was headed back to California. She's an artist. She helped design our, our bottle uh -huh. for the vodka. And she works on a few different things in Hollywood. And I said, stop in every cigar shop. Cause she always did. And she'd send me home a cigar from somewhere. And I said, tell them your dad made them this vodka for cigars. And, and I said, they'll all laugh at you until they try it. Right. And in one of those shops, she met a guy that had a few cows, made his own rum, and, and had a little cigar shop in, or manufacture factory in the Dominican Republic. Huh. And so she bragged on him about this ranch we live on, how beautiful it is. And he calls me up a year and a half later and said, hey, I'm, I'm flying around South Dakota. I'd like to come up and see if this ranch is as pretty as your daughter describes it. So... He came up, spent four days with me. We tagged calves. We were actually tagging out on the ranch. And and uh, I asked him when we were done, I said, you know, we give away cigars every year at our bull sale. Is there a way I could get some cigars made on my own? And he's like, well, we might, you know, we don't do that, but maybe we could do something. And so he called his roller and they discussed it a little bit. And he said, yeah, we'll do some for you, but you got to order 2,500 because we just, 
in our production runs to make it work. And I was thinking, wow, 2,500 cigars. I don't even know enough people to smoke that many. I don't know what I'll do, but I said, I'll do it. Right. So I didn't explain to him that day that I was a perfectionist and that I had to like cigar. I didn't just (laughs) want cigars with my name on it. So they, they made up six cigars, different blends and they sent them to me and I, you know, we, we discussed on the phone. I smoked them all with my cranberry tea and, and I said, I didn't really like them. They were just kind of plain cigars. And I, I really wanted something I liked. And I and they said, well, what do you like? I said, well, I like a Monte Cristo number two. It's the best cigar in the world. And they said, well, we can't make that. And I said, well, we got to get close to that or I'm out. And so, <laughs> and so they, they sent me six more and actually, I actually sent him a spreadsheet, his roller, because I keep track of records on cattle, on cigars, on vodka, on everything. So I had my own trait, trait sheet, if you will, on cigars. And right. I hit the sort button and my top five cigars that I liked at that point all had a Habano wrapper from the Jalapa Valley in Nicaragua. And so I said, well, there we go. There's our common denominator. Let's start with that and go in. So they made six more cigars and they were a little bit better, but I really didn't like them either. Mm-hmm. And finally the roller, his partner gets on the phone. And he said, look, we don't make cigars for other people. My boss says, I have to make you a cigar. You've rejected 12. So you get your butt down here. I'm going to take you through <laughs> the fields. I'm going to take you through the whole thing. I'll take you into my warehouse. You can pick you can pick Nicaraguan, Dominican, Ecuadorian, Honduras, Mexican, African tobacco, but you're going to spend a week down here. We're going to make this cigar and then I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I said, fair enough. I was very grateful because I, geez, I'd always wanted to go on a cigar tour and I was like, wow, what a chance to go down. Not only am I touring learning about this, but I'm actually going to make my own cigar. Yeah. So my wife went down with me because she smokes with me. Mm Mm-hmm. So we went down and we spent the whole deal, the whole week, and we he laid out six cigars on the table. And he said, now this is it. You know the deal. And I said, yep, I agree. And I lit the first one, which ended up being our Trail Boss cigar. And I said, that's it. We're done. I said, I've been looking for that for 20 years, that flavor. I said, that's, that's it. And he laughed. And he said, well, you're going to smoke all six of them today and make sure. So we did. And he said, at the end, he said, what'd you think of the last two? And I said, well, they taste like the other ones you sent me. And he said, those were two of the other ones I sent you. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, what a fun, fun way to develop our own cigar. One we absolutely loved. Today, we've had five sizes. We have eight international reviews, and they're all between 90 and 93. So they're they're high quality. And my favorite review would be our ninth, I call it, is... I've had several Cuban men, you know, over 70, mm-hmm. without saying a word to them, I'll be at a different event or I'll be at a vodka event or somewhere else. And I always just bring a few cigars. They'll they'll come over and they'll elbow me and say, hey, this tastes like the Monte Cristo number two. Good job. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, that's what we were trying to do from the very beginning. So that's that's probably the most satisfying review for me. Man, that's great. It's and so what what year did what year did you start the cigars or or start making them or when were they first produced? Well, this whole process started when I first asked if we could do it, it was 2014. Okay. And we got the blend done 
the fall of 2015 and we sold our first cigars the 18th of May, 2016. So okay. we just crossed our third birthday in cigars. Nice. So you, you remember back then when uh, we had the big cigar boom again, what was it, probably 1990, 91? Yeah, I think they call it 90, 90 to 94 was, or 96 was the big run. Yeah, yeah. It, it seemed like after then, the quality of cigars it just seemed to change because I, I, I think that the demand and consumption was so high. But it, it definitely seems like it's come back around here now, finally in the past Oh, I don't know. Several years. I'm I'm a stickler on on uh, cigars too. You know, I I really enjoy good cigars, and uh, I haven't even tried your cigars yet. So I'm gonna have to find out how I can get a hold of some. Do you guys have a sampler pack or anything, or how do you guys sell? Yeah, them? well, I was just I was just gonna say when you said that you were an aficionado, I'll just send you I'll send you a five pack for your if you're a stickler on them. That's who I like sending them to. Awesome. Very cool. Well, you know, and so some people may be listening to this going, oh, well, these guys smoke cigars or whatever. It's not healthy, but actually cigars are vegetables to me. It's a, it's a plant that's grown and uh, it has a lot of medicinal qualities in it. Uh, one just being uh, the uh, quality of being able to relax and you know sedate you and calm your nerves. Well, that's, that's just it. You know, somebody, there was a quote, I think Brad Paisley on the cover in, in his article in Cigar Aficionado said, cigarettes are a habit, right. but cigars are an event. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's right when, you know, the great thing about cigars is you don't inhale the cigar. We're, none of us are doing it for the nicotine. Right. We've got five minutes to hang out with a friend or enjoy the day or enjoy it forces you a cigar forces you to sit down for a minimum of 30 minutes yeah. and enjoy life and who you are and get your bearings and like i said ours is we don't speed up the process you were talking about the mass manufacturing right you know a lot of people talk about the aftertaste of cigars they can't stand that taste in them well that's in these huge production factories some of them They'll spray the same bacteria on when they're fermenting as we do on our alfalfa hay to speed it up. Oh man, yeah. That's the aftertaste you get. And yeah. I would I didn't realize that until I went down towards the factory and Phil Phil Zangi, who's my partner who who uh put up with me for two years, he's the one to explain that. I said, Look, if you want to make a bunch of cigars, it's not gonna work here because we don't make that many and this is raw natural tobacco. We spend two years fermenting everything from the day we plant that plant to the day you're smoking your cigar a minimum is going to be two years yeah and he said you need to be ready for that and don't call us up with this huge order and say speed it up because we just don't do it and so we've very fortunate to have learned that and we've had so many people recognize that i don't know how many people come up and say man i don't get an aftertaste with your cigar the next morning i don't taste anything and then i explain that to them that it's just the the fermenting process and and there nobody had a, nobody knew that yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's very interesting. Today's episode is brought to you by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition. Their brand of clinically researched products help support overall health. Do you want to burn fat, build lean muscle, improve strength, increase energy and vitality, help with pain relief? Go to www.thecowboyway.com register to get your personal discount code take the bull by the horns and use the brand that cowboys love 
so for for like your vodka do you now do you do you sell your i mean how do you sell your vodka or do you sell your vodka yeah we sell our vodka we're in we're in seven states with the vodka we're really focused on montana Mm -hmm. california new york new jersey and pennsylvania gotcha we have requests from almost every state in the union for it but it's a vodka is a different deal than cigars which we've learned uh there's all in the there's controlled states where your the state is actually the distributor. As long as you pay them your tax, they'll they'll give you enough time. You go out and put a sales team on and go sell your vodka. We'll leave you alone. In a non-controlled state, the distributors control everything, hmm. and the distributors have gotten so big and powerful that they own most of the brands out there that people are drinking. People think that Smirnoff owns Smirnoff, and and all these other brands, but the the distributors own a lot of them. And so they control what comes in and what doesn't come out. And that's a tough nut to crack. It's really been, that's a tough one. So every time you move into a state, you know, it, it costs you a quarter of a million dollars to, to fight through that. Right. And a small company like ours, we, you know, we haven't had that wherewithal, but our our quality of our vodka, again, we, we've been rated 93. We've got five international gold medals. And just our story that we're not some big hedge fund group that decided to get in the vodka business. We just love vodka and decided to make it. Right. That's what's getting us on the shelves in those those areas. So we're still lacking the the funds to get out there and really market. If we had the funds to market our vodka, it would be it would be the next boom since Tito's. Yeah, really. That's crazy. Very cool. And then and then cigars. How how about uh, how do people you know purchase their cigars? Just uh, is it all e-commerce? Yeah, we don't do so. We have one cigar. Uh, actually, there's two places that sell them online, but they sell them for the same price that the, the brick and mortar shops do. We're real brick and mortar shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, two guys smoke shop. Uh, David Garofalo. Uh, he's the largest uh, cigar retailer in America. Hmm. And he sat me down. He took us in the first year and he said, if I ever see your cigar on the three big uh, e-commerce sites, I'm done (laughs) with you. He said, because those guys are buying them. They're selling them for less than what I can buy them for. If you pull that on me, I'm done. And they said, I'll tell you all your other guys were. We're a small company and we're committed. And we really, we appreciate the challenge of keeping the doors open. Um, how tough that is like a small a local restaurant and that these big chains right kind of rule the day you know everybody says they like eating local they like these small stuff but what it costs to produce this on a mass on on a small level it costs more than those big ones right and it's amazing what those big companies can do as well to provide food at a lower cost so that's just a challenge and and we live in a great country you know you can do whatever you want. You can try and fail or you yeah. can, you know, we're free to do that. We're, we're not guaranteed to be successful. We're not even entitled to be successful, but we are entitled. The only right we have, I love talking about this. Everybody thinks we have the right to health care. We have the right to retirement. Right. The only right we have is that we're free. We, you have the right to go for it. Pick your own direction and go for it. You fail, you fail. You succeed, then we'll come and take you out right. <laughs> you know, right. with taxes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's funny. So, so you just have a couple places that sell your cigars through shops in. 
Yeah, we're actually in 12 states now. Oh, you are? Okay. There is, yeah, there's actually a shop in Arizona, and I wasn't even oh. aware of it. My secretary pointed that out. I was in Texas uh, two months ago doing a little tour down there, opening up shops, and the guy said, where are, where are you available? And we were looking up, and there was one in there was one in uh, Arizona in Phoenix. I said, well, that's a new one. I didn't even know we were there. Oh, no kidding. You don't, you don't know the name of it off the top of your head, do you? I think it's Sunrise Cigars. Okay. Sunrise Cigar Shop. I'll have to look that. It's on our website because okay. all our stores across the country are on the website. But I think it's Sunrise Cigars in Phoenix. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I'm up here in Wickenburg. It's not, Phoenix is not too far to head down there. Hmm. So well, I'll uh, send you a text when we're done and just confirm that. Okay. Very cool. So, uh, you, you, are you, are you planning on uh, rolling out any other things like some sort of uh, favorite food of yours now, or are you going to, you going to stay with cigars, uh, vodka and cattle and bulls? Well, I thought we had done enough and <laughs> remarkably, you know, the neat thing, what the cigars and the vodka have done is expose us in a remote area of Montana to the rest of the world, to our consumers. Right. I've been on lots of radio shows now and, and, and a few podcasts where I get the opportunity to talk to people about beef. Right. And the stories they hear about antibiotics and, and all these implants and all the unhealthy things about beef and the environment that the cows are, you know, global warming is all the cows uh, fault that I can really share. It's an opportunity to share with people that those are not, true stories they're not true statements right and so we've had a lot of requests to come out with our own branded beef and we have several forks in that going on right now putting together a branded beef line uh, to supply that so it, it's opened the door into that like i said the, the vodka opened the door to the cigars and now the two of them are opening the door to a, a branded beef project that's really cool so you, you want to you want to speak to that a little bit, referring to the global warming and antibiotics and implants and all that. You want to just talk about that a little bit, just a brief synopsis of why that's not true. Yeah, well, there's there's been a big surge to get beef off the planet, get cows off the planet. There these there are these wretched. Basically, people think they hear from the news that they're just these big plows out here and they eat every blade of grass. <laughs> turns it into a desert and then the the temperature of course global warming is from the cows um methane right exhaust and it's so far from the, that's not true at all so one thing i like to tell people is we we depend on natural resources up here that grass right and that grass has to grow every year and grass requires uh, a clipping every year you have to eat grass for it to come back if you don't eat grass the weeds and and shrubs and brush kind of take over mm -hmm. and it it's called the desert desertification of our grasslands our rangelands right and there's actually some there's some wildlife people have realized that where they've taken grazing away there's really no grass growing there you have a lot more erosion the hoof action those cows going across the land every day they're grinding the new seeds into the dirt they're clipping off that and then weeds and and stuff that nothing eats go away when you have a cow out there and then as far as the carbon or the methane coming off of a cow one thing that has never been done and we're currently working on it right now is a study 
that shows how many pounds of oxygen are pumped into the ox uh, into the atmosphere off a ranch and a farm. People never think about the grass is producing oxygen, the shrubs, the trees are all producing oxygen on a ranch. The hay that we put up, the corn that we put up, that we feed all the crops when it's green are pumping oxygen into the atmosphere. So take all that away and you've got that much less oxygen. And there's lots of data out there that shows that there is zero from cows uh, contributing to global warming. Right. It, it's not even on the moon, but uh, the media loves to talk about that. And you can't get more zinc, more iron, and a better source of protein than you can in a in a pound of beef. Uh, it's been proven uh, time the data is out there that that uh, all these health issues due to beef and fats and that is is not true that's been debunked so many times but they like to talk about the negative you can only sell negative news people don't like the good stuff there's a real good study that comes that shows in the late late 70s uh when they decided beef was bad and, and caused heart disease and all these other problems and the reduction you look at a graph of the reduction of beef intake uh on the consumers mm-hmm. um and then the start of alzheimer's disease Yep. It's an X on the graph. Yep. Alzheimer's disease and dementia is right through the roof and we're eating less and less beef because our brain actually functions and uses cholesterol. That's how it functions. Yep. People don't know that. They, all they know is cholesterol causes heart disease, so cut that off. And uh, it's, a, it's just an, another amazing thing, and you got to get out and, and share your story because they're not going to hear it on the, the media. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, and in, in that the a lot of that cholesterol deal is perpetrated by you know big pharma that wants to sell their their drugs, and 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 I agree with you, and I know, and I've read the research, you know, and I was a chiropractor for many years, and I'm I'm in I'm in health, and I have I have a, new, a nutrition line, that, so I'm well aware of that, and that meat is very important for for men and the production of our hormones, testosterone, and all sorts of things, so. Uh, I agree with you 100%. It's uh, again, it's just the the media um, skewing things the way they want to, and then uh, other big companies trying to push their agendas. Yeah, you can't you can't sell a lot of stuff to healthy people. You yeah. Can't sell drugs to healthy people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, hey Brian, we're getting close to the end of our time here, and I, I just uh, I'm just fascinated by by your story. I think it's just amazing. You know how you've just gone from cattle rancher to making vodka to, to producing your own cigars and, 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 and not really not white label them either. You've, you know, you had to develop your own blend, which is, which is super cool. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to trying some, I always ask everybody, do you have a favorite uh, brand of cowboy hat? Uh, a tough brand. <laughs> the, <laughs> the wind blows up here. I actually, uh, palm leaf is my favorite uh, straw hat. Cause they're so tough. Uh huh. And, so I usually wear a palm leaf hat and then the heaviest felt hat I can buy and afford. You know, I don't where I'm outside so much. You don't dare go buy a $400 felt hat because I may be, there may be a cow coming at me or something that I I'm, I'm pretty famous for. If there's a, a cow coming at you or somewhere, or somebody next to me, I usually pull my hat off and throw it at them and, and detour them. And so I've had a lot of my hats stomped on, so I don't spend a ton of money on them. 
Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, with your with your personality and the way you are being extremely uh, analytical and, and how you love everything, just the way you like it, I've recently just been converted to, uh, in terms of hats. Uh, I, I just have my first 100X, which is 100% beaver. Clint Herring, Herring Custom Hats built it for me. And he convinced me, and, and I believe him now too, that you, you want to wear your, your highest quality 100X for your everyday hat because they're the toughest and they, they can take the, the rain and take all the abuse. And they're, they're just a lot easier to keep clean and fix when it's 100% beaver. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just putting, that bug in, I'm put, I'm putting that bug in your ear now because you, you never know. You might end up coming out with your own hat, hat line. <laughs> I'll leave that to somebody else, but I do agree with you. I have bought some cheap hats. Yeah. And I'm I'm spending more and more money on my hats now for just what you said because, you know, you buy cheap I used to buy cheap hats just because of what I said, but right. they're so flimsy and when it rains it just it just folds over your head and you look like a sod farmer and that doesn't look good. And you never get that shape back. But a a really high quality Hat holds its shape, holds yep. its form, and they are. They're easier to clean, yep. uh, much better. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things he did with his, he took it off his head and, and just smashed the crown. I mean, it's 100X, and and then he just pushed it right back, and, and it came right back. And so, um, anyway, uh, yeah, just I, I had to throw that in there. But uh, how about boots? You got a favorite uh, brand of boots that you wear? Or? Um, now, those, yeah, I just, I, I don't have a favorite brand. Of boots that I wear. I've never had a custom, as I have not been able to, it, notoriously, you'll be out, you'll think you're just going to the office to do things, you're just going to load bulls, and you're not going to get right. dirty, and it's it's raining that day, or somebody needs help, and you're running across the pen with a, a foot of mud in it, and and so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty generic on, on boots. A flat heel. I know yeah. I like a flat heel, because I've had those high-heeled ones, and boy, they're hard on your back. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're, you're a horse, chiropractor, you know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless unless you're horseback, you definitely want to walk and heel on them. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. How, no, how about cowboy movies? You got a favorite cowboy movie? Oh yeah, our our whole cigar line. You know, based. I grew up on John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, and so you bet. You know, the Cowboys was our childhood favorite. I, yeah. I think my favorite Western movie is The Professionals. Okay. And Lee Marvin is in that yep. movie. Uh, gosh, that's a fantastic movie. Yeah. We actually have that DVD in our cow camp, and so that's just an annual thing. You, you stay up and you watch The Professionals one night when we're Brandon. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, Brian, I, I appreciate you stopping and taking time to come on and, and you know, sharing your your story and in everything you got going. Uh, I mean, you definitely epitomize what a modern cowboy is today because you're doing some amazing things there. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to trying those cigars. So. Well, make sure you make sure you send me your address. So I'll get those out tomorrow. They'll go in the mail. And yeah, as far as what you just said, I've been told my whole life as a kid, you've got to diversify. You've got to diversify. You're going to have to do something besides one thing. And I, I was not a farmer, so I could not, <laughs> so I guess my vodka and cigars are my farming <laughs> institution, I guess. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, hey, Brian, thanks again. And uh, and I'll be looking forward to to getting some of them cigars and, and trying that vodka as well. All right. I'll send you a little cattle baron care package. Perfect. You take care. We'll talk soon. Okay, Dan. Thank you. You bet. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? 
Every Friday afternoon I hitch up the trailer Saddle up old rock And ice down a cooler I drive that old back road Until it ends At the rope and pin We got them rusted out pickups And fancy rigs $20,000 horses Then there's my old stick Although we're all the same The minute we ride in To the roping pen Well, I ain't no play speed But I give her hell He can never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle and philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money you were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pain And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack If you can back it up Oh, but we're all friends No matter who wins down at the rope and pain Well, I ain't no play or speed But I give her hell Hey, you never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn another pin of steers Tell a few more lies Drink another beer Hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roping pen. Down at the roping